everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and here we are on Friday, November 18th. It is the last Friday before Thanksgiving. I don't know where the time's gone, but I hope that all of you are getting ready to cook your turkeys and make your stuffing and all those delicious pies. And if for some reason any of you out there have an extra seat at your table, please feel free to send me an invitation. I'd love to stop by because if there's one thing that I love to do, it's eat. Of course, I also like talking about the soaps, which brings me to my second point before we get into today's show. Thanksgiving, of course, is a time that we are to give thanks for all of our blessings in life. And I want to make sure that if you haven't heard me say it before, I'm so thankful for your support, not just here on Soap Central Live. Certainly your support has made this show the success that it is. It's made it the number one program on the entire Voice America radio talk network. And for 17 years now, just about, you've been supporting SoapCentral.com, of course, in its first incarnation as the AMC pages. But the support that you guys have shown has been amazing, and I want to make sure, again, that you know that you are appreciated because this is a time when a lot of soap fans are feeling unloved. We've got networks that are canceling soaps. We've got networks that are telling the stars of their soaps that the fans have deserted them, that the fans are no longer interested. And we know that that isn't the case. Soap fans are just as passionate about their soaps as they've ever been. And soap fans want their soaps to continue. So, Hopefully, as we move into 2012, we'll be talking about nothing but good news for our favorite soaps. Now, today, we've got a little bit of something different, sort of a, a potpourri. It's like your Thanksgiving feast. We've got a new interview that I'm so excited to tell you guys about, and then we're going to have a little bit of some flashbacks, some last year's Thanksgiving show, and also some year-end stuff that played on Soap Central Live for 2010 so it's sort of a preview of what you can expect coming up in the weeks ahead as we take our look back at 2011. Plus, next week, it's a great show in line. We have Michael Muni from The Young and the Restless. He plays the evil Adam Newman. Well, you can call him evil. You can call him whatever you'd like. But there's a whole lot of things to discuss with Michael coming up next week, starting with the controversial way that he got his role on The Young and the Restless, to some of his comments about the daytime Emmys, to everything in between. If you follow his Twitter feed, at Michael Muni, you'll see that he talks about pretty much everything under the sun, from politics to sports to, of course, soaps. It's going to be a good show coming up next week. But first, let's talk about someone who really, I don't think that we've seen a lot of interviews with this person, and it was such a treat for me to be able to talk to her. I'm talking about Renee Jones, who plays Lexi Carver on Days of Our Lives. As you'll hear in the interview that's coming up that she and I talked yesterday, I've never had the opportunity to speak to her. Our paths have never crossed. I looked through all of my Emmy notes and photos, and I've never had the opportunity to speak to Renee before. So this was a really nice way for us to sit down and chat and get caught up on some things, and certainly as we were talking, the holidays came up, and we talked a little bit about what we're thankful for, a little bit about whether or not Renee likes to cook, and mac and cheese. Again, we can't do an episode of Soap Central Live, especially one around the holidays, without talking about food. So 
I'm very pleased to present this interview with Renee Jones from Days of Our Lives. Hi, Dan. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You know, I'm great. This is the first time in 17 years that I've been doing SoapCentral.com that I've had the opportunity to talk to you. So this is uh, a great, great treat. Ooh. Wow. I don't wow. know. Where, well, where, I'm happy. Where have they been hiding you that I haven't seen you for 17 years? <laughs> <laughs> I know. What is up with that? <laughs> Do you ever come to the set? I've been there and I've seen everybody but you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, well. We have to make up for some lost time, so let's... I know, exactly. Let's rewind a little bit, and you've been playing Lexi since 1993. Did you ever think that you'd be at a point where you could say, nearly 20 years later, that you were still breathing life into this character? No, I thought I was only going to be on the show for... I'd I'd given myself, like, 10 years tops. You know, what I'd said to myself, you know, just as an actress, you know, because before coming on on days, you know, I would do a a show or whatever, a a movie of the week or whatever for three months here, six weeks there, a week here, you know, and then there was always time in between. So to to think of being on a show this long, uh -uh, I thought, okay, after 10 years, I'll have a nice amount of money put away, then I'll go back out in the world and, and do other stuff. But the time flew by. It just flew by. So what do you attribute this longevity to? I mean, it, it sounds like you're you're surprised by it. So so what do you think has made Lexi stick around for this time? Oh, well, I think that's just kind of basically how Corday Productions is with a lot of their characters. You know, because I'm a baby in the scheme of I think, you know, Abe has been on the show for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, Doug and Julie and Marlene have been before Marlene and John, had, you know, had left and come back. So they they just like, I think they just like to have people on the show for a long time. But, um, I, and I guess something in me, I know that something in me connects with people who watch because when I run into them on the street, generally they want to hug me. So that some kind of connection that we, you know, that we feel for each other, they feel for me. And when I meet them, you know, when their arms out, I just automatically go into their, you know, I hug them. So, um, except for the time when I was evil, then people were afraid of me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, yeah, that's, that's part of the fun of soap operas, of being able to be loved and hated and then loved again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about the the fans and, of course, them wanting to hug you. None of this, I guess we all know, is possible without the fans. So do you have a message for your fans? Well, I think the the main thing is that I just want to thank them for supporting me all these years. Um, even during the time when I'd been let go from the show, um, fans you know, called and wrote in and complained about it. And then lo and behold, I get a call saying, will you come back? Um, and so um, I know that that my longevity really is also all due to the fans feeling a connection with me. Um, so I just want to thank them for the love that I receive from them because I truly do feel that love and that goodwill. And um, and I will always give it back to them whenever I see them or run into them. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that uh, I posted on Twitter that I'd be talking to you, and there were oodles and oodles of tweets back from, from folks who had questions for you. So I've got a couple Ooh. for you. Uh, one is from Tony, who wants to know, uh, what have been some of your favorite moments or storylines over the years? 
my favorite storyline was first finding out that Celeste was my mom mm-hmm. and then finding out that Stefano was my father, um, which went on for probably a good year and a half. And then having a relationship with Stefano, but immediately he started started being who Stefano is and, you know, had me raising Bo and Hope's child thinking it was mine. <laughs> you know? um, and then me being, becoming attached to that baby and, and um, kidnapping the baby and ending up in an insane asylum. Um, for an actress, that is the best, best, best story arc you could ask for. Well, I, yeah, well, I'd hope for an actress. I don't imagine that'd be all that great if it were your everyday life. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And all the scheming that I did, you know, with Bo and Hope. And it's interesting because I was talking to someone recently and I was talking about um, Sammy's character. And I said, you know, she never has to account for what she does. People always forgive her. And, um, you know, and that's, and I said, it would be nice that, you know, if people didn't. And, it's, and they said to me, well, Renee, you know, Hope forgave you. You stole her baby, and she still forgave you. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, so fans don't forget anything. And Renee, we have another question from Francine who wants to know. She says, Lexi and Abe are my favorite couple. What is it like yeah. working with James Reynolds? James is the calmest, um, nicest, most level-headed man I know. Um, he, we, we work together. Like I, I always say that he's like an old bathrobe, you know, mm. it's like, even after I left the show in the past when I was on in the eighties and I was gone for like 10 years or so. And when I came back, um, it was a rainy day, a horrific day. Um, but in my dressing room, there was a rose and there was a poem that he'd written for me, you know, welcoming me back to the show. So I think that says it all about the kind of man that James is. Mm. Um, and, um, so it's it's wonderful. We have different working styles. Um, he knows that first thing in the morning, I, I'm not good to talk. Don't talk to me until I've had my caffeine. We learn little things about each other, you know. That explains yeah, so. why we're chatting in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, this is the time of year outside of, of all the other stuff where everyone's starting to think about the holidays. What are you most thankful for? I'm I'm most thankful for my health. I think that's the number one thing that I'm thankful for. Oh, and just that that I've learned to um, open my eyes to just appreciate um, nature, you know, Mm. just all the small beauties that are around us, things that you don't buy, you know, things that are just God-given. Absolutely. Now, on a slightly different uh, note to that, if Lexi's entire family were to gather around the dinner table for the holidays, what do you think <laughs> would take place? Oh my gosh! <laughs> her entire well, you know, her family is only what Theo, Theo, Abe, Stefano, EJ, oh, the little kids, nephews, and and Celeste. It's an interesting. Interesting group. That's where she's been all these years. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Mama, where have you been all these years? <laughs> See, that's going to just give her some... that's gonna set it up for trouble right there, the confrontation at the beginning of the meal. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what and about you? I know that Stefano loves EJ more than me. I've said it to his precious little EJ. So that's so, um, that, that rivalry would be coming out, I'm sure. Yeah. It's sounding like quite a meal. It's sounding like the place to be. 
Well, what about for you, Renee? What are uh, what are some of the holiday traditions that you look forward to? Um, I you know I look forward to the meal because I never eat macaroni and cheese during the year the way that my mom makes it, which is mm-hmm. with three different kinds of cheese, you know, and you nobody cooks like your mom, you of know, course. so. And I'm looking forward to that and to spending time with her. I haven't gotten to spend much time with her. As a matter of fact, this year is the only Christmas. It's the only time I would have seen her this year. So um, I'm looking forward to to that. So for Christmas, Christmas for me is more about getting together with people and good food. Um, the presents are the the last interest. The last thing that that interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, this year my mom and I decided to um, not give each other gifts, and we chose someone that we know is having a tough time, and we used the money that we would have spent on each other, which we'd go crazy with each other, which is ridiculous. We don't need anything. And um, we couldn't wait to Christmas. We gave it to her already because even though it is for Christmas, it's like this person is hurting now. They need it now. And it just felt so good. And um, so I think that will be our new Christmas tradition is we're together to be together as family, but as far as giving, um, we're going to always find someone that we want to give to um, who we feel truly needs it and would really appreciate it, And which is different than giving to a charity, which I give to charities all the time, but this is immediate. You know, you see it. You, you hear from them. You know that it's going directly to that person, every single penny that you give, and that's a good feeling. No, that actually that sounds like a, a good tradition for everybody to start. Instead of that extravagant so and so that uh, that you don't really need, why not yeah. use that money to to really help make an immediate difference for somebody? Exactly, exactly. Because especially now, there's so many people who yeah. are in need, and um, yeah, I think it, it feels so good. And the fact that we you know we couldn't wait till Christmas because they need it now. So it's like, why are we going to hold on to this until Christmas time if we made this decision? And when they got it, they called and said, "You don't, uh, you don't know. This came at the exact time that I needed it." You know, so and, I, and so that when Christmas morning comes, we'll just hug each other and say, you know, Merry Christmas and go about our day. And you know what? That in and of itself is a gift. Being able to be with the people who you love. Yes. Yes. That's it. Now, one more thing before uh, I let you go, because I know we are just about out of time. This may tread into the personal, but do you consider yourself to be a good cook? No. (laughs) You didn't even think. (laughs) That came out really quick. (laughs) No, I'm not a good cook at all. Mm -mm, I don't like cooking. So you don't Mm -mm. even pretend to to maybe cook something? No. No. Oh, okay, that's hey. You know what? That's that's fine. When you're you're talking about mac and cheese, and and like you said, and nobody cooks quite like your mom. That's why. Uh, yeah. I enjoy yeah, having. Yeah, I'm fine with. And I have no problem getting in the kitchen and washing dishes after you know, but um, I don't I don't cook. And so generally with dinner parties and stuff, I go to friends' houses. I did have someone at my house. Um, I had some friends over for a dinner party recently for my birthday, but I had somebody come in and cook the food. And then even then, I forgot I forgot the dessert. <laughs> so um, 
No, I'm not. That's not my forte. <laughs> oh, gosh. And thank God my boyfriend said, I'm not with you for your cooking. I'm like, all right. <laughs> this is going to last a long time then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. It sounds, you know what, I think that's that's a great way to leave it, to let everybody, remind everybody, know that, uh, you know, there, there's always something for the person who you're with to, to be thankful for and to look for. It may not be cooking. It may not be uh, you know, something else, but, you know, to, to keep in mind and keep in sight that uh, there's something special about everybody. Yes, exactly. And don't make yourself do something that you don't, well, I can't say that because some people, you know, I, I do believe that if I had a family and I had to cook for my children, of course I would cook. But because I don't, you know, then Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, well, you had me at that you do the dishes. That makes you the perfect guest at the holidays. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so, so much. So what time should I come over? <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it's Thanksgiving Day. I start cooking as soon as I wake up, and yeah, whoever shows up, there's food. Uh, I like to cook. Wow. I like to cook. There. I don't have a very large family, uh, so whatever is on the table, you know, it's it's the island of misfit toys, Renee. Whoever doesn't have a place to go, they're more than welcome yeah. to come over and. Oh, and, that's uh, wonderful! I said, I watch people who cook, and I I see the joy that it brings you. I admire that so much because it truly brings you joy. And I can tell people who love to cook, they they put that love into cooking, and it tastes so good. But you know, when people who don't love to cook prepare stuff for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's joy. There's joy in eating as well. Yes. Ooh, yes. now I'm hungry, so we need <laughs> <Me> to. <too. laughs> we need to. Uh, unfortunately, we need to end this, and we'll have to go and, and seek out some food or something, Renee. <laughs> I know. I want some mac and cheese right now. <laughs> I don't think okay, I have it, it, was, it was wonderful talking to you. <laughs> Thank you again so much. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Thanks, Dan. Again, I'd like to thank Renee Jones for taking some time out to chat with us here for Soap Central Live. It's always a great opportunity to speak to some stars that maybe we haven't heard a lot from in the past, and this was certainly a very special occasion. For those of you out there who may not be Days of Our Lives viewers, you've probably seen Renee in any number of shows that she's done. Some of them are still airing actively in syndication. She's appeared on Night Court. She played a love interest for LeVar Burton's Geordi on Star Trek The Next Generation. And she's appeared on Murder, She Wrote, which I'm sure everybody out there knows by now is a personal favorite of mine. I probably should have asked her if she was an evildoer or if she was a victim or, or what her purpose was on Murder, She Wrote. And she also appeared in an old Friday the 13th film. Didn't get a chance to ask her about that either, but you know what? We'll have Renee back on the show hopefully in the future, and we'll be able to ask her if her... Days of Our Lives character would have fared better against that hockey-masked, crazed person than her character in the movie did. For those of you out there who want to check out Days of Our Lives, don't forget that it airs weekdays on NBC. Check your local listings for the time and channel number in your area. You can also watch full episodes of Days of Our Lives on NBC.com. And if for some reason you can't watch the show... Remember that you can go to SoapCentral.com and check out our comprehensive daily recaps for Days of Our Lives and for all of the other soaps. In many cases, our recaps go all the way back to 1995, so you have 16 years, coming up on 17 years worth of daily recaps to read, to reflect on, to relive the glory days of your favorite soaps, to wax nostalgic, whatever the reason, we have a lot of stuff for you 
there on SoapCentral.com. We have a lot more of this week's show for you as well, but we have to take a quick break. So stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live coming up in just a few minutes right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. As we approach the end of the year, it means that we are almost at the time when Soap Central Live invites the Two Scoops columnists from SoapCentral.com to drop by the show and share their best and worst moments of 2010. Because the response to last year's show was so great from all of you out there who are listening, we've decided this year that we're going to do two shows. We're going to have a special best of and then a worst of show. The Best of Show will air December 23rd here on Soap Central Live. And The Worst of Show is the following week, December 30th, 2011. So it's a great way to sort of get ready for the holiday spirit while we're talking about the best and the worst of. Of course, The Worst of is going to be on December 30th. So as you are maybe preparing to cast away your own personal negative energy for 2011 and looking into the new year of 2012 be a great opportunity for you to listen to our two scoops columnists and talk about some of the stuff that happened in 2011 that we sort of wish didn't happen of course i'm sure that we can imagine that a lot of people are going to be talking about the end of all my children and one life to live big news then the following week our first show of 2012 on january 6th it will be a look back at soap central live 2011 the highlights the lowlights the laughter all of that smushed into one show so that you can sort of see what you've missed in 2011 if you haven't been listening every week so in order to get you in the mood for some of this we're going to take a listen to some highlights from last year's best and worst of show here on soap central live It's a look at the best and worst of 2010 here on Soap Central Live. 
Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the term two scoops, that is the name of our opinion columns on SoapCentral.com. We're going to kick things off in Salem with our year-end look at Days of Our Lives. Joining me are our Two Scoops columnists, Tony and Larissa, who have both been on the show before. Now, they take things very seriously. In fact, they've actually given their own names to the best of and worst of columns. Tony, why don't you explain a little bit about what you've named the best of column? Well, we actually call them the Golden Donut Award. The, the golden, best of days 2000. Blah, the blah, Golden blah. Donuts. Why the Golden Donuts, of all things? Well, as any True Days fan knows, the heart of Salem was Alice Horton, and she always baked but, um, baked goods, and it was always donuts. And so I think it's even passerby days fan knows, like, Alice Horton Donuts, Alice Horton Donuts. So we thought, Golden Award Statue, Donuts, bam, Golden Donuts. But on the flip side, Larissa, we have the worst of the year, and those have a little bit of a dubious name. They are called... They are called the Alex North Memorial Awards. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So why the Alex North Memorial Awards? Well, fans of any soap can, I'm sure, relate to when a favorite actor comes back to the soap and either their character is just not how you want him to be. Um, In Days of Our Lives case, Wayne Northrup came back to Days, and he played a character named Alex North. Now, Wayne Northrup is most known for playing Roman Brady. And when Alex North came back, oh, my goodness, Days fans, including myself, just, it was sacrilege that this horrible, horrible, horrible character wasn't such a fan-favorite actor. So it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek nod. It's nothing against the actor. He did a fantastic job. But unfortunately, sometimes somebody draws the short straw, and they get just a storyline that is bonkers, and that's what happened with Alex North. There always seems to be something that's bonkers on the soap. No matter whether it's a good year or a bad year, there's always at least one storyline that stands out as, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. So let's start off right right at the top. What would you say is your pick for the one storyline on Days of Our Lives in 2010 that, let's just say, didn't quite live up to its billing? Ladies first. In, in, when I'm thinking about what the worst storyline was, the worst storyline for me, and it wasn't because it was bonkers, it was just because it turned me into a blubbering idiot, was the uh, Alice Horton tribute, which was fantastically done and beautiful. But for poor me, I sat on my couch and sobbed for three re- weeks straight. My husband thought there was something wrong with me, but I, I was trying to explain to him how Grandma Horton had died. Um, but that for me, was was definitely the one that was hardest. I think Tony has a one that's better for more bonkers, but for me that one was that one was hard. Hard for hard for my poor little day's heart to take. It sounds like it's still hard for you. It is, it is. I'm working on it though. So bonkers storylines, yes. I would have to say the moment that Sammy Brady shot E. J. DeMaris through the head. Or in the head. <laughs> Sammy's done some pretty crazy stuff, and I think most of the 90s, you know, mid-90s to early 2000s, the fans tuned in two days to watch, uh, to see what we did next. But this was kind of out of left field. I have to say it was just kind of Sammy being impulsive, yes, but this was kind of when you're taking the concept of she shot him in the head. It's one of those things that kind of transcends bonkers. It's just bizarre, like, period. It's kind of one of those you can't kind of shrug and do a hearty belly laugh and get over. So it's, it's not sitting well with me yet because I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to feel about it.
We're now going to travel from Salem, USA to the town of Landview, Pennsylvania. And a Two Scoops columnist from One Life to Live is making his first appearance here on Soap Central Live. So let's extend a warm welcome to one of our most opinionated columnists. But that doesn't keep people from coming back and reading it every other week. Michael. Michael, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi there. So there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on in Landview in 2010. Let's start with the highlights. What are your picks for some of the best storylines or your favorite moments on One Life to Live in 2010? Well, I think the uh, really the, the biggest highlight for the year would have to be uh, everything and anything having to do with uh, Bo and Nora and Bob Woods and Hillary Smith. It took a very long time to reunite the couple, but basically everything that came out of that, from the wedding to the reunion to everything that's going on right now at the end of the year, uh, I think that really all of that really re-energized the show and made it whole again in a lot of ways. That's a big thing. And I also think that everything Clint's doing has, has really <laughs> juiced everything up. Between that and Kim Zimmer coming back in a very unlikely role uh, that I'd never expect to see again, it's really given the veteran characters so much story. And I think that's where the meat has been for most of the year. Well, just quickly, what did you, when you heard that Kim Zimmer was coming back, if not Echo, what would you have seen her doing as a character on One Life to Live? Oh, I have, I have no idea. I mean, she had some role in the 70s where she played some sort of long-suffering 60s radical who showed up, I guess, and gave people a lot of trouble. And uh, I mean, either of the roles she had on the show were so obscure. And it was one of those things that came out of nowhere. You're like, what? Really? But it happened. And when they did it, I mean, I don't think anyone expected it to work, frankly. But I did like her. And it turned out really well. I think they salvaged the whole Rex uh, paternity storyline very well after that whole unfortunate uh, Native American interlude, which I try not to think about. Um, and it's, it's come together in a really interesting way because it's managed to bring it back to characters we actually care about, which is you know, Clint and Vicky and Charlie. And I love that Clint remembers everything Rex has done and is like, no, I'm not, I'm not having this. I don't care who he is. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. He's not in the family. It seems that for a lot of people, the highlight, you'd mentioned Clint. I think a lot of people are liking that he's maybe Asa 2 or whatever you'd like to call it, and people like that there's somebody who's kicking people around in town again. Yeah, well, I think there's a poetry to it. I mean, I, I've, I've heard the complaints that is out of character, and I understand that to a certain point, because Clint, Clint Richie's Clint was a very decent and wonderful, loving family man. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the mythology of the character and of all those characters was built on the fact that Clint had uh, had run away from Asa and from the family uh, as, a, as a young man, and he tried to get away from the legacy. But with Asa gone, there was a power vacuum, and that was established as soon as Asa died. And the only person who could step in was Clint. And I think they... they one of the things they have done in the last couple of years, even though it's been some rocky times, is they very clearly articulated that this is the only thing that can be done. Clint has to do it. He's the only one who can do it, so he becomes his father. And Asa did go to these extremes uh, many times, especially near the end of his life, when they just started occasionally writing him like he was Mussolini. But I think it worked, and I, I think they've covered their bases. Well, we talked about filling a hole by using Clint, but there were some other holes, according to you in your Two Soups column, that sort of came through in 2010. So, what are some of your least favorite moments or least favorite stories from the year gone by? Oh, well, uh, well, first of all, um, and I, I've belabored this point, and it's, it's more of a general issue, but there are other stories. The first thing is a general issue, which was basically the purging of 
all sorts of minorities at the beginning of the year. They got rid of Kyle and Oliver. They got rid of Rachel for no reason. And Rachel was supposed to go out of town for a couple of days to, like, see somebody. And she never came back. And I, the Fords have her apartment now, which is ridiculous. It's the same apartment. You go back and look, it's the exact same apartment. And that's ridiculous. So, it, of course, that goes back to the Fords. It's like... It, it went for a very long time from, and this is still a problem. It went from one night to live to starting, you know, three Fords to suck. And that's where it's at. I mean, you, these characters basically took over the show. I can't get away from them. They're everywhere I go. They're not that interesting. So there's that, and everything involved with them, except for poor John Wesley Shipp. Uh, and then there's the whole Team Jessica story. I don't know who that was supposed to appeal to. It was it was troubling. And then there was the thing with Mitch. When Mitch got carted off the show like a Scooby Doo villain. Like he was old Mr. Weatherby, the carnival owner and he you know, they're gonna go put him in the pokey and that's what he gets. <laughs> Jail is just a vacation for Mitch. You can't nothing conventional weapons can't get rid of Mitch. He's been killed on screen twice and yet they were so desperate to end the story, they're like, Oh well he's in jail, it's fine. Nothing could happen. But now we're gonna head from Landview, Pennsylvania up to Genoa City, Wisconsin. My next guest has been writing Two Scoops columns for nearly 10 years, and if you can believe this, she and I have never spoken prior to today. Call it a Christmas miracle if you want. But here comes Nita. Nita, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thanks, Dan. I'm happy to be here, of course. Can you believe, first time, 10 years, and here we are just chatting away on the show? Yes, after many emails back and forth, I finally get to talk to my cyber buddy. Well, good. Well, let's see if we're still cyber buddies after this show, because we're going to talk about your best and worst of The Young and the Restless in 2010. Let's start off with maybe the things that didn't quite work for you. I know you have at least one or two characters that you really didn't like in 2010, but let's let you tell the story. What are your picks for some of the worst moments and worst storylines in 2010? Okay, well, my top would have to be, this is a long one, this is what I call the Sarah Daisy Ryder Deacon, Emily, Jana, Lauren, <laughs> Mess. Mess, you know, this, okay. This, this storyline, it had everything, including the kitchen sink. And my problem was with it was that a lot of it made no sense. You had the Lauren lookalike, you had Sheila's Demon Sea twins, and you had Jan and Lauren caged in a supposedly abandoned zoo, but the zoo had lights and music. And this storyline, it seemed like it was never going to end. It just kept, it, it, it like it multiplied, and it got worse and worse. But finally, we get to the end. We get to the big rescue. Lauren and Jana come home, and we think, finally, Kevin and Jana, they're going to get back together, live happily ever after. What happened? Jana goes emotionless, hooks up with the writer, and then here we go again, a whole nother round of nonsense, and that wasn't even the worst of it. The kicker came just last month. When Daisy, and you know, Daisy's universally hated by fans first time around, she came back. Why? Did the scribes hate us? So that one has to be my number one pick of storyline I hated the most of I believe 2010. you called Daisy a bad penny. Yes, the bad penny. She rolled back into town. I thought she was gone. It made my day when she was finally gone. It didn't matter that she didn't go to prison. You know, she was just gone. All right. So let's now that we've got you worked up on one of the worst, <laughs> is there something that maybe was still 
eh, kind of yucky, but not as bad as this bad penny mess, as you called it. I have two other ones that were kind of like my things that I didn't like. Lily's cancer, it wasn't as bad as the Daisy thing. At least it was watchable. I didn't have to fast forward. I didn't fast forward Daisy, but I wanted to. But Lily's cancer, to me, I guess that was one of those things that probably when the scribe sat down, it was a great idea on paper, but somehow it just kind of fell flat. Hmm. You know, I, I thought it should have been a storyline that really just tugged on our heartstrings. I mean, so many of us have friends or family members that have this terrible disease, so we should have been feeling really empathetic, really just crying crocodile tears over Lily's misfortune. But instead, like a lot of the fans who wrote in and myself, the opposite happened. Lily, she, she didn't look sick, and somehow, instead of seeming brave and tragic, she just always whined. You know, if someone said something positive, Lily inevitably came back with a comeback that was just totally negative. You, it was, you couldn't cheer up if they thought, well, you could beat this, I probably won't. It was that kind of a thing. You know, that storyline was one that I really wanted to like it, but it was just something just not quite there for me. Okay, well, you know what, let's turn the page then. Let's talk about some things that you really did like in 2010. What would be some of your favorite moments or favorite storylines of the year gone by? I have to say my top favorite was when little Faith Newman was finally reunited with her parents, Nick and Sharon. Mm -hmm. As a mom, that one, I I wanted that one resolved sooner rather than later. Like, I was afraid it would happen when Faith was 18 or or older. You know, and I thought with Adam, (laughs) Adam kept saying how much he loved Sharon, and I wanted him to show that he loved Sharon more than he loved himself, and to do that, he would have had to tell her that Faith was alive. And that one was one of my that was one of my top ones. It was it was really heart tugging because, you know, Ashley had to give up Faith and give her to her parents and Sharon and Nick were just so overjoyed to have the daughter that they thought was dead back. And I think if there was you know, the only thing that would have made it better would have been if Adam would have told her on his own instead of telling her after Phyllis pretty much blew him out of the water. Mhm. And then my, my other ones, they kind of, I think with, with, with um, I like the, the pairing of Victoria and Billy. That one came out of nowhere, and it worked for me. You know, I think they're just the cutest together. I think Billy is just, I love how he's protective of Victoria, and he, he stands up for her, and he, he faces down Victor, just all of that. He's like the perfect boyfriend material, perfect husband. So that was, that was another one of my top. Along with that, you know, I do have one tiny little thing, and that's just his whole thing with rest of style and all about beating down the Newmans, you know. So it would be nice for rest of style to be a magazine that had something to do with something other than the Newmans for a change. <laughs> that might be too much to ask for. We're welcoming back Adam Michael James to Soap Central Live. He's here to give us a preview of his year-end best of, worst of, two scoops column. So... It sounds like there's a lot of us here, but it's really just two. Adam, Michael, James, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hello, Dan. It's great to be back. All right. So it's been an interesting year on the soaps. Let's talk about, well, let me let you pick. Do you want to talk about the highs of B&B or the lows of B&B first? Well, <laughs> um, it's been kind of an interesting year on B&B. So I think we'll start with the positive stuff. I mean, oh, wow. I mean, the first thing I think of, of course, is uh, the way Stephanie and Brooke bonded over Stephanie's cancer and the way Brooke got included um, when Stephanie was kind of out pursuing her bucket list, which I thought was over way too soon, by the way, because it was just, it was just so wonderful. And the, and the way they bonded after years of hating each other, it was, 
it made me feel good. <laughs> no, it was that was a really good, interesting dynamic, and don't feel bad about wishing it had go on longer. I sort of wanted the same thing. I thought, wouldn't it be great if they all went off and did everything on the list together, just Brooke and Stephanie, you know, Thelma you and Yeah, they still could. They still could. So, um, you know, I'm putting that out there, Brad Bell, more bucket list. Um, I think the, another favorite moment, although maybe you might want to call it most shocking, but it was the one moment that really stood out was, of course, Brooke takes off the mask at the party. Um, because, honestly, I, I sort of saw that coming, but I thought maybe it would be a, a fantasy thing. And it was the one Friday cliffhanger through the year where I was really kind of sitting there the whole weekend going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't wait till Monday's episode. Usually it's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, whatever happens. But that one I was like, oh, I, I, I got to find out. And then, of course, they actually did go through with it, which is a whole other thing. But um, that definitely stood out as, as a big moment for me. And I also liked, it was really short, but I liked the way they brought back Mike Guthrie. Remember Sheila's old cohort from the 90s? And um, anybody that reads my column knows, because I throw her name in like constantly, that Sheila was my favorite character on the show. And so anytime they do anything that's actually related to Sheila, I'm going to love it. And, and seeing Mike again was, was really pretty cool. And it kind of, I kind of got the impression that maybe the real non-plastic surgery, non-dead Sheila is still out there someplace. She's on All My Children as a judge. Actually. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. See, that's your show. <laughs> so you're going to know that. And, you know, the other thing, I, I had come to hate Pam Douglas with a passion. Hated her, hated her, hated her. But when she got involved with Stephen and, and kind of she did this turnaround and she got up in Stephanie's face and, and kind of really took responsibility for the things she had done, I loved that. That, that was really cool because I, I think all my favorite moments with the show has to do with when they actually dig and they dig down into their history and, and you know, instead of the more fluffy, you know, kind of unbelievable stuff. We'd like to see more of that, Brad. Well, that's an interesting point. It was sort of a wonder year in that regard, but... It was also, I'm guessing, listening to you, a blunder year, and there were some stories that didn't quite work, or at least stories that you didn't like. So let's go to that. What are your picks for some of the worst moments and worst storylines of 2010? Well, I think anybody that has read my column this year is going to see this one coming a mile away, but the worst for me was the Bold and Beautiful's insistence on turning everything into the Steffi show. Um, I kind of thought her character just went off the deep end and not in a good way necessarily i mean when she wasn't trying to seduce unavailable men she was on this anti-logan tirade which you know was kind of unfounded and you know technically she's not a forester herself so i didn't really think she had much of a leg to stand on and i i had hated too that stephanie got hateful there for a while of course before the cancer storyline which turned that around so thank god for that but um, I knew that was going to happen as soon as she left Jackie M, and I wasn't wrong. Taylor, I don't know what's up with her. Um, she either needs a complete overhaul or somebody at the show needs to go over her history again because I don't, I don't know who this sh shrill, paranoid shrew we've been su subjected to is this year. I, I don't really think it's Taylor. <laughs> also, I thought there were too many scandals. It was like every time you turned around, oh, there was a new scandal. But most of all, I would have to say, I just felt like the show whizzed through the storyline so fast. And, and I didn't really think it gave a chance for much suspense or buildup, which I think you really need for a, a story to grab and hold you. And also, they, they brought up so many story points and then completely dropped them, and I, I thought that was a little sloppy. Well, let me ask you, of course, The Bold and the Beautiful has won back-to-back -back Daytime Emmys as best drama series. Based upon what you saw in 2010, can they expect a three-peat? On the basis of the cancer-slash-homeless storyline, they probably will, because that was the strongest material that they had all year. Other stuff, maybe not quite so much, because to me, it felt like 
and, and Brad Bell talked about this too. He was in an interview. He was talking about how you know he was kind of trying to change things up on the canvas and just putting different characters and scenarios together. And it, it kind of felt like you know they were kind of experimenting, and um, not all of it worked. My next guest has been a frequent contributor here on Soap Central Live, so it is only fitting that she is back for our best and worst of 2010, the Two Scoops edition. Please welcome back to the show, Tammy Lou Waite. Thanks, Dan. General Hospital, there was a lot going on in 2010, from international crime lords to big returns <laughs> to uh, just lots of stuff. So let's start with what were some of your favorite moments for 2010? Well, as far as favorite moments go, I, I'm going to go all the way back to January of 2010. I think probably one of the best scenes on General Hospital this year was the day that Lucky confronted Elizabeth and Nicholas when he found out about them sleeping together. The Emmy scene. That's, yes. Yeah, I still have that on my TiVo every now and then. When it's a bad episode, I go back and watch that one <laughs> <laughs> to remind myself how good it can be. <laughs> But I just thought that was a very powerful scene. And, you know, there's certain scenes in the history of soaps that, that I've watched over the years that stick with you. And that's going to be one of those that last, like, you know, the, the one life to live scene where Karen Woolwick has to admit on the stand she's a prostitute. That yeah. one stuck with me for 20 years. I mean, there's just scenes that are just really powerful. And I thought that was amazing this year. Yeah, it seems so crazy that that's all the way back to January. But I remember when that aired saying this is his Emmy scene. He is an Emmy yeah. winner. There's no one this year that will beat him. And, you know, I kind of still feel that way, even though it's so long ago and out of people's minds. Yeah. And on the female side, I thought that Lexi Ainsworth did an amazing job with the abuse storyline. I mean, it was a hard thing to watch, but as far as the acting and the writing, that was very powerful stuff, too, watching that little girl get crap beat out of her. <laughs> Can we say crap on the radio? I don't know. <laughs> you, if you haven't been listening to some of the other segments because these are pre-recorded, we've said worse. So yes, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was also, like I said, a very difficult to watch, but a powerful thing. And you know, during the time when that was airing, I got so many girls that were writing me letters that they either knew a girl or they themselves had been abused, and it really struck a chord with a lot of young girls. I would say probably 40% of the letters I get are people relating their own life experiences as compared to the storylines that are going on. So, but thankfully, no one's written me to tell me they relate to Lisa. <laughs> that, w that would be scary. <laughs> that perhaps that provides us with a segue to storylines that didn't quite work in 2010. What are some of your picks for <laughs> the worst of Port Charles 2010? Well, okay. If I hear the words of the Balkan <laughs> one more time, that has dragged on for so long. I think it had a good potential in in the seat of thought where they came up with that storyline. It's a good idea, but they've dragged it up for so long. And, you know, this started several months ago, so people are getting kind of crazy about finding out the answers to that. And the Lisa storyline, of course, is absurd because the woman has gotten away with... <laughs> things that most people would have been committed for the rest of their lives for and is still working at the hospital treating patients. In Lisa's defense, there have been people who have done far worse and they're, you know, they've never even done time in jail. That's true. That is true. And, you know, in spite of myself, I, I like Lisa. <laughs> I know she's a psycho, but she's an enjoyable character to watch. But I think the, the frustration is that in, in our own lives, 
when somebody is doing something horrible, we want them to get caught. And we've been wanting Lisa to get caught for a really long time. But if she gets caught, then she's going to be gone. So we don't want to lose her. And she signed another contract, so she might be getting away with things for a really long time. She could always spend the next six months of her contract in the mental institution. <laughs> True. Perhaps with uh, Heather Weber. <laughs> they would make ideal roommates. It's sort of like a dormitory. It's like college, but just <laughs> a little different spin <laughs> yeah. to it. <laughs> It's really kind of a cautionary tale for men. Don't sleep with your old college girlfriend. You don't know how crazy she's gone in the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that covers just about everything Port Charles, General Hospital, and daytime in general. So, of course, I want to thank you for being part of our year-end show, Tammy Lou. Thank you, Dan. My and pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed that special flashback to last year's Year in Review to Scoop Style. It was a look back at the highs and lows of 2010. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we're doing it again this year. Our Two Scoops Look Back at 2011 is a special two-part edition this year. The best of 2011 will air on December 23rd and the worst of 2011 will air December 30th. We're going to follow that up on January 6th with a look back at the entire year here on Soap Central Live, our very second, our very second, it is our second season here on the air. And, of course, we're gearing up for a third season. We'll be here as long as you guys will have us to talk about what's going on in the world of daytime. Now, don't forget that next week we're back live yet again for a new show with the Young and the Restless star, Michael Muni, who plays Adam. He'll be taking your call so you can find out what goes on in his mind when he has to play a character who's pretending to be blind or doing crazy things. You can also ask him about some of his likes outside of the world of daytime. It's going to be a great show. I hope that you all tune in for it the day after Thanksgiving, so you may still be on the sofa from eating too much on Thanksgiving. So just keep your computer nearby since you can tune in on November 25th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for another edition of Soap Central Live. I know that I'll be here. I hope that you guys are here. And in the meantime, don't forget that if you do have some free time during your Thanksgiving holiday extravaganza, why not flip over to Soap Central Live and put on some of our past episodes? We have ooh, about 96 or so episodes of the show for you to listen to at your convenience. Head over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. You can stream or download any of those episodes all for free and listen to them anywhere you go. You can listen to them on your iPod, your phone, your computer. Put them on a DVD or a CD and take them with you for the car or on your trip, wherever you want to go, we'll be there for you. Hopefully you'll be there for us too for another edition of Soap Central Live. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.